is the master plan on what we're doing, and so uh, we're looking forward to that. So plan to, to join us for that a couple weeks from today, and that way we are ready for our, our Christmas season and our, our Christmas series that will kick off on the 28th of November. We'll get ready for that. Uh, if you have your bulletin still, if you turn over to the back, there's a place for you to take some, some message notes. I also invite you to grab your Bible, or if you didn't bring a Bible, grab a blue Bible close to you. We'll get to that in, in just a few moments. We're uh, in our series uh, titled The Best Question Ever. And in this series, we've been asking uh, this question, and these are your blanks you can start filling in. We've been asking, trying to ask the best question ever, which is, what is the wise thing for me to do? What's the wise thing for me to do? In light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing for me to do? In light of my current situation, my current circumstances, what's going on in my life right now, what's the wise thing for me to do? In light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? What is it that I should do? And, and we've tried to make the case that if we would be willing to ask that question in all the different areas and all the different arenas of our life, that we could, in fact, almost foolproof our life. We could live our life in such a way that when we look back on our life, we could have very little or no regret in our life because we're constantly asking, what's the wise thing to do in absolutely every area of our life? And today, what I want us to do is to look at this question just a little bit differently. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. That's where we're going to be. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1 Kings, right there. If you've got a blue Bible, it's page 329, all right? So that makes it easier if you have your blue Bible there. So turn to 1 Kings chapter 3, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. And as we do that, I would like everyone to, to use their, their mental capacity with me and imagine this scenario for just a couple of moments. Imagine that each and every one of us individually make the decision that we're going to ask this question. We're going to ask, what is the wise thing for me to do? And we are going to actually apply that to every area, every arena of our life. We've made that commitment. We make it that commitment individually. We make that commitment as a group that we are going to try to seek and to find what is the wise thing to do in everything, absolutely all the time. And so we ask the question, God, what is the wise thing for me to do? We pray about it, right? We read the scriptures. We wait patiently on the Lord to, to respond and, and to, to reveal to us what it is the wise thing that he would have us to do. And in doing those things and waiting, we, we get to the end of it and we still don't know. What do you do if you're committed? If you're saying, you know what, God, I want to do this. I want to do this right. I want to quit trying to deceive myself. I want to quit playing all those games that I play. I want to, want to not try to, to see it the way I want to see it. I really, honestly, truly, in everything, want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to ask, how close to the line can I get before I cross it. I don't want to ask how close to the edge. I don't want to ask what's the culturally relevant thing to do. I don't want to ask what's everybody else doing. I want to know, God, what is the wise thing for me to do? And in doing that, you don't know the answer. You don't know what the wise thing is to do in the relationship, in the job, in the situation, in the opportunity. You study the scripture, you pray, you wait. What do you do then if it's not clear? If that's the case, what do you do? Do you just sit and go, ugh? You know, what do you, what do you do? I know that a lot of times, many people struggle with making decisions in different areas. One of the, the arenas in life in which the struggle making decisions is when emotions are running high. When, when you're in a situation where emotions are, are running high and emotions are involved, 
it's hard to make a wise decision. Um, we want to do the wise thing, but our emotions get in the way. Uh, emotions can, can kind of create a fog in our life. And we don't see things clearly. I, I mean, a really good salesman can sell you something and make you convinced that it's a really good thing and a wise thing. And especially if your, your emotions are kind of going that way. Oh, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. Is that the wise thing to do? Now, it may be the wise thing to do, but can you really tell in that situation? Sometimes it's, it's hard to know. It can be positive emotions like, we're in love. Good. But emotion, love, can be a fog, right? Do you see, always see clearly? Do you, do you see clearly in love, in, in that fog? It can create a fog. It, it, it's not always clear. You're promised such things as, we'll increase your pay. Hmm, that's a good emotion, right? Think about how much money you can save. Right? We hear that. This stock is guaranteed to go up. Hmm. We can double your return. Right? We, we hear things like that. It has four bedrooms. Oh, it's just the two of us, but four bedrooms? How about no money down, no interest, no payments? Right? My favorite one that I've heard on the radio a lot recently this is my stone-cold guaranteed lock of the week, right? You got it covered. It's, it's the emotions are there. You, you know that it's got to be the right thing. But all those things, they really can, can get in our life and they can fog our decision-making process, can't they? Our emotions create that within us. Where there's a lot of high emotion, sometimes it's hard to really see straight, to, to see what the wise thing is to do. Negative emotion is the same thing. When you're really angry or really jealous or really resentful or maybe... You're just not getting your way. Those emotions can cause us to, to do some, some things that maybe we shouldn't do. And, and even if in those anger moments or things you have the clarity of thought to go, now what is the wise thing for me to do? Sometimes even in that emotion though, there's too much emotion to see through it, to cut through it, and to really be able to, to know what the wise thing is to do. Emotion, both positive and negative, it can cause us not to be able to see straight. So what do we do? What do we do in those situations whenever we can't see straight, where there's a lot of emotion? There's another environment when this oftentimes happens, that many times we have trouble making decisions, is whenever we find ourselves in a realm where we really don't have the expertise. We just really don't know. We either lack the education, the experience, um, or, or whatever it is to make the, that decision, to make that choice. And if that's the case, you don't have enough Information. You don't have enough wisdom in order to make the decision. You don't have enough background. Now, can I tell you where I run into that in my world a lot, you know, just in my interactions? It's in the area of finance. Um, we're in the middle of putting together the, the budget for 2011, and all the different ministries are looking at 2009, and, you know, because in light of our past experience, and they're looking at the 2010 budget in light of our current situation, and they're looking at what they want to do in light of their future hopes and dreams. What's the wise thing for them to do? financially and in the different areas and the different um, areas of the church and the different ministries. And, and as we're doing that, some of the leadership team members and, and the various uh, ministry leaders and, and some of the staff, they come to me and they want to know, Craig, do you think this is a wise thing to do with our finances? Does this financially make sense to you? And sometimes I just really have to look at them and go, I don't know. I just don't know. They didn't offer, they still don't offer any math classes where I went to college. I don't know if you know that. They just, they don't. I think they should, but they don't. I'm not an accountant. And the leadership team members will tell you, there's sometimes in the leadership team I'm going, okay, 
Red numbers, good or bad. Help me remember this, right? You, you look at it, and, and it, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. As I said, I'm, I'm not an accountant. Now, now, I can tell you Greek definitions. I can look up scripture verses. I can tell you, you know, the authors of the books of the Bible and when they were written about. Now, I, I can do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's kind of my area of expertise. But when it comes to financial decisions, there are times that, that I just don't know. And I just don't know how to act, and I don't know what to do. I lack the education. I lack the training. I lack the experience to truly know. But as a leader, I tell you, there's times I feel like, hey, you're supposed to know. It's in my job description that I'm supposed to know, right? You're just supposed to know these things, but sometimes you don't. And when you don't, what do you do? Well, sometimes you act like you know. No, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, that, that's perfect. I agree. What do you say? I don't know. Anybody else feel this way? Is it just me? Anybody else feel that way in different areas of their life? May not be finances, maybe something. Okay, thank you for identifying with me. I, I appreciate that. I, I would guess as a parent, we all feel this way at times, don't we? You're supposed to know. You're supposed to have the answer. Your child comes to you with a life question, a philosophical question, one of those why is the sky blue type questions, and you're supposed to know. You're supposed to have the answer for your children. If you manage a team at work, or if you're the person in charge, if you're the person responsible, you are expected to know. But when you don't know, when you don't have the experience, and when you don't have the expertise, when you don't have the education, when you don't have the background, how are you supposed to make the decision? Here's the secret. Here's the secret that that I want you to know. The secret of wise people. Every wise person you know knows this secret. And once you hear this, you may wonder if they're really that wise anymore. This is how they became wise. Fill in these blanks. Wise people know when they don't know. Now that's life-changing, right? Everybody's going to walk in here going, Wow! Did you hear that? No, wise people know when they don't know. They don't deceive themselves. They don't pretend. They don't act like they have it all figured out. They don't act like they're smarter than everyone. Wise people know when they have reached the end of their knowledge. Wise people know when there's too much emotion. Wise people know when they don't know. And the second part of that is this. Not only do they know when they don't know, but wise people are not afraid to go to those who know. They're not afraid to go to those who know. They're courageous enough to go to those people that know. It takes a lot of security to say, I'm in charge and I have no idea. I'm responsible, and I just don't know. I'm your father, and I don't know the answer to that question. Wise people know that they don't know, and they're not afraid to go to those that do know. Can I tell you that's one of the many reasons I'm so very thankful for our staff and leadership team and ministry leaders? Because they have the passion and the experience and the expertise and the background to do an amazing job in their respective areas. And I'm glad that they're willing to serve the Lord through PCC. I am so thankful for the fact that that we can surround ourselves with people who are willing to use the wisdom they have to serve in areas where the rest of us maybe aren't so wise. Wise people know what they don't know, when they don't know, and they're not afraid to go to those who do know. If you talk to a wise person, basically they will tell you that. Wise people seek counsel. They understand the value. They understand the importance of seeking counsel. And I know that, that to me this, is, this somewhat doesn't make any sense because oftentimes we fall into the trap of thinking, well, this person is wise. And because they're wise, they don't have to ask anyone. People come to them asking for wisdom. But because they're so wise, they don't have to ask anyone 
for any counsel or any wisdom. But that is so wrong. Wise people get counsel. And the reason they get counsel is because they're wise. Does that make sense? Because they're wise, they understand the value of wise counsel. And I think that's one of the reasons that the Bible is so amazing. The Scriptures give us insight into to this arena of our life. The Bible tells us that the wisest person to have ever lived was King Solomon. King Solomon was the son of King David. He took over when his father David uh, died. And, and we see in 1 Kings chapter 3, which is where we're going to land here for a couple moments, that the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. Solomon was in his late teen years at this point, so if you can transport yourself back to your late teen years and put yourself in Solomon's shoes for just a few moments, the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And in verse 5 it says this, The Lord said to Solomon, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wow, think about that. If you're a teenager, God were to show up, ask whatever you want me to give. What do you want? In other words, I have a blank check here for you. What would you like for it to include? What would you ask for? Hey, you're not in church. What would you ask for? <laughs> All right. Honestly, what would you ask for? Well, riches, power, fame. What would it be? Influence? Think about all the things that you would probably ask for. I would probably ask for. Look at what Solomon asked for in verse 9. Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. Yeah, that's what I would ask for too. You? Right? That was second on the list. Right? No. What? (laughs) Wow. Look, he asked for that. He asked for wisdom. And God gave him wisdom. Look at verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you've asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Wow. Solomon asked for the right thing. You know, it's one of those loaded questions. What do you want? He got it right. Everybody has a a certain measure of wisdom in our life. But God said to Solomon, I'm going to make you the wisest person to have ever lived before and to ever will live. You'll be the guy. You'll be the wisest man in all the world. And because he was the wisest man in the world, he became the go-to guy. Everybody was coming to him asking him all the questions. He was a a scholar and and a and a, a teacher, and, and a writer, and a poet, and, and Solomon had it all. He, he, he could do everything because God had given him that wisdom. And God didn't stop there. Look at what God says in verse 13. He says, Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that, that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. Ask for wisdom and he got it all anyway. Wow. Solomon was wise. And here's what I want you to see. The wisest person that ever lived, King Solomon, do you realize that if you read what he wrote and what's recorded for us in the Scriptures, that he had more to say about us seeking counsel than all the other writers combined? Solomon said, you need to go and seek counsel. Now, the question becomes, why would the wisest guy in the world say that not only he, but the rest of us, we need to go seek wise counsel. Because he was the wisest man in the world. 
That's why he said those things. Because wise people know when they don't know, and wise people are not afraid to go to those that do know. In the New Testament, we are encouraged and challenged to follow Solomon's example. James wrote this in in the first chapter of his book. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. This verse gives us an assumption and a powerful promise. The assumption is that there will be times when we are not wise enough. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, what's that say? Well, there's going to be times that we don't have it. So it makes the assumption that we're not all that, that we don't have it all figured out. And and then the promise? The promise is that God will provide us with the wisdom that we need. But like Solomon, we first must recognize that we have that need. Which leads us to our best question ever. What's the wise thing for me to do? And if, if the wisest man who ever lived insists that throughout his writings, he says that instead of looking within ourselves and instead of asking the question just to ourselves, what we should do instead is look to the counsel of others, shouldn't we do the same thing? Look at what Solomon wrote, and I'm going to throw up a bunch of scriptures here from the book of Proverbs, and you can just read them on the screen behind me. It says, The wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Why would a wise person need to seek and acquire wise counsel? Well, that's how they become wise. They become wise because they know what they don't know and they're not afraid to ask those who do know. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. In other words, what's a fool say? A fool says, I don't have to ask anybody. I know what's best for me. Remember, sitting in this chair, the, the middle chair, talked about how I know what I want to do and I know what I think and, and I'm going to do what I want to do. And even if you're right, I'm still going to do what I want to do. And even if there's consequences, I'll just deal with them when those come along. You know, I can handle this. I, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. A fool says, I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. But, but look at what the rest of that verse says. It says, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. What makes a wise person wise is the fact that they're willing to listen to wise counsel. And they don't get so wise that they no longer need wise counsel. The person who is wise is always listening for and seeking out wise counsel. That's how they became wise. That's how they are wise. They know when they don't know, and they know who to go to. Go to those people that do know. A couple more scriptures. Proverbs 11.14 For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Proverbs 15.22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Proverbs 19, verse 20, listen to, the, listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Scripture after scripture after scripture of, of Solomon saying, hey, you want to be wise? Seek wise counsel. Ask other people. Why would he say that? Why would Solomon put such a premium on asking and seeking wise counsel? Well, because... Wise people know what they don't know, and they're not afraid to ask other people. He understood his limitations. It's a fool who believes they have no limitations. So what do you want to be, wise or the fool? No one ever rises above the need for wise counsel. In fact, the more successful we become, the more wisdom we need to seek. Because the more successful, the more we have responsibility for the decisions we make become bigger. They have a greater impact. The bigger the, the impact, doesn't it make sense that we make wiser decisions? It's whenever we start thinking, oh, I've got this figured out, that, that I, I can handle this, that's when we set ourselves up for huge failure. 
We need to understand that, that no matter where you are, no matter who you are, we all need wise counsel. And, and that's why this is, is so important. Uh, Andy Stanley suggests a couple of insights um, into getting wise counsel. And I want to share these with you. And again, I invite you to fill in the blanks and write these down. First one is this. Many of the decisions that you make privately and independently will become public knowledge. Think about that for just a second. Many of the decisions that you make privately and independently will become private knowledge. You think that's true? I got some people shaking their heads saying no. All right? Think about it this way. You privately decide to buy a house. Soon, people know where you live. And because they know where you live, they know the approximate size and value of your home. It's a private and independent decision, and yet it becomes known publicly. You buy a car. People know what you drive, right? It becomes known publicly. You, you decide to take a new job. People find out. You decide to attend or stay home from church. People know. You privately and independently decide you're going to ask her out. Pretty soon people know. You ask her out, right? The decisions we make, many of them, if not most of them, that we make privately and independently, they become public knowledge. You're married and, and you decide you're going to have a baby? Well, people know what you've been doing. It's just, people know these things, right? It becomes public knowledge. We all have a public. It may be 20 people, it may be 200 people, but we all have a public. We all have people that, that know what's going on. And the reality is that people discuss those things. They know what we do. They know what we decide. The things, the decisions we make privately and independently, they become public knowledge. Second statement. The decisions we make privately and independently affect other people. They affect other people. As a pastor, the decisions I make, they affect you know, the people within the church organization in a variety of different ways. And, and, and so I can make those decisions privately and independently, but the effects are felt publicly. Every decision I make as a father in my home not only affects me, and I can make it privately and independently, but it affects the other four people that live in my home with me. The same is true for you. The decisions that you make, even if you make them privately and independently of anyone else, they're going to affect other people. It may be a small amount of people. It may be a large amount of people. It may be a, a small you know, effect. It could have huge implications. But the decisions we make, not only are they known publicly, but, but they affect people publicly as well. You may have been affected by some private and independent choices that people made. Maybe you've been affected by corporate downsizing, or people that decided they knew what was best and did what was best for them, and it affected you. Maybe you've been affected by a spouse's decision, decision to leave. Maybe you've been affected by the choices that your children made. You see, we make private, independent decisions, and we think we're just about us, but as we've been talking about, and all this, it affects other people. Our private and independent decisions affect others, and others affect us. It's just the way it works. This week in your small group, you're going to be talking about this idea by exploring the life of Joseph. And you're going to look at Joseph's interaction with Pharaoh in Genesis chapter 41. And Andy Stanley does a great job of sharing the story of Joseph and how he interacts and how it all works together and how the decisions that are made, how it has a huge impact on nations and people and just a whole vast number of people. 
And this week, I really want to encourage you to, to make sure you attend your small group. Make sure that you go. Make sure that, that you're there because you really don't want to miss this, the point that he has to make. And if you're not involved in a small group, this would be a great week to jump in. A great week to, to get into one. There's a list there in your bulletin. There's information on the Connect table on your way out. But jump into one of those. Twofold reason. Number one, the lesson this week is going to be really good. Great discussion. I think it'll be really good. Number two, if you get in now, you probably just have a couple of weeks, and then you get to attend the Thanksgiving party. So it's a great time to jump in to your, to your small group to, to learn and to be challenged. But, but back to this, we're, we're studying the best question ever. And we're looking at how the decisions and, and things that we make, how... Not only do we know, people know, it affects other people, and, and, and how, how, how does this work? Because if you think about the fact that the decisions you make do those things, people know them and they affect other people, doesn't it make sense? Doesn't it seem like the wise thing to do would be to involve other people in the process before you make a decision? Doesn't it make sense to seek wise counsel? Why not benefit from their insight? Why not invite a, a few choice people into your decision-making process. Now, I'm not suggesting that you take an opinion poll of everybody you know. What do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? No, it's not like you're polling everyone, nor do you take everyone's opinion and weigh them equally, but you take a few choice people, people that you trust, people that know you, and you find out what they think, and you gain from their insight. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, said, you need to seek wise counsel. How would we not do the same thing? How would we just stay in our full seat and think we could do it on our own when the wise counsel is there for us? We've been proposing throughout this study that the best question ever is, what is the wise thing for me to do? And maybe the second best question ever is, what do you think is the wise thing for me to do? Again, not with everybody, but with a few choice people. Think about it this way. As a parent, isn't that what you want your kids to do? You want them to come to you? You want them to come and say, hey, Mom and Dad, what do you think? What do you think about this decision? Because you want to be able to use your experience and your wisdom and, and all of that you have and pass it on to them and share with them to hopefully help them avoid some of those heartache and negative consequences in their life. But too often, we're not like that. We don't seek wise counsel. Can I tell you where I see this, in my again, in my world more often than not? Um, people often come to me and looking for wise counsel whenever they are in crisis, when a relationship is crumbling, when a teenager becomes pregnant, when they're arrested, when they feel hopeless. And in those situations, you should. We, we all would obviously need wise counsel in those situations, and we should seek that out. But I cannot help but wonder, what would it be like if they would have sought wise counsel before making those decisions? before the crisis situation hit? What if we would have sought wise counsel prior to being in the desperate need for wise counsel? You see, experience is a great teacher, but why not learn from other people's experience? Why not gain from their knowledge? Why not gain from their wisdom? And I know there's different types of people out there. There's people that are like, you tell me what to do and I'll gather it all in and I'll make a wise decision. Other people are like, you tell me the stove is hot, it may be hot, but I'm going to touch it anyway just to make sure, right? We need to, to learn from other people's wisdom, from other people's experience. We need to have people that can speak into our lives, who can speak wisdom into our life. And I have to ask this question of each and every one of us. Who is that for you? 
Who is it that's in your life right now that is speaking wisdom into your life? At the bottom of your bulletin, you'll see three blanks across there. I've got a little long-winded, and so we had to kind of shove them down there at the bottom. But here's what I want you to do. I want to give you a minute, and I want you to think about this. And I would like for you to write it down if you're willing to. Who are two or three people that are speaking wisdom into your life right now? And if you can't come up with anyone, then who are two or three people you need to seek out and ask, ask them to, seek, uh, to speak wisdom into your life? Would you take just a moment... And would you think about that? And would you write that down? Can I also encourage you with this? Who is it that you know that could benefit from your wisdom? Who is it that you need to go to and say, hey, I would like to enter into this walk with you and share with them? Who is it that you need to speak wisdom into their life? I I know that in my life and in my experience, the the wisdom that I've received from other people regarding being a father, a parent, a husband, regarding being a leader, a pastor, that the wisdom that's been poured into me is invaluable. And it's because of the wisdom that they gave me that I can be a little better in each one of those areas. And there are times that whenever I'm faced with the decision that I find myself being paralyzed, not knowing what to do. And oftentimes, if I really am honest with myself, The reason I feel paralyzed is because I haven't allowed the people to speak wisdom into my life. And I begin relying upon myself way too much instead of the wisdom that God has through His Word, the wisdom that God has through other people. We need to not think that we have to do this on our own. We need to know that that we can do this together. We need to know that we can experience this together, that we can seek wise counsel. A lot of times I visit with people and they feel like they're walking their spiritual life all by themselves. You don't have to do it that way. You don't have to be all alone. You can do this together in community. We can do this as a family. We can walk down this path encouraging one another. The decisions that we make in our life People are going to know them and it's going to affect other people. We we should be willing to seek wise counsel before we make the decision so that before it's it's not too late. Because the last thing we want to do is make these big decisions that have a huge ranging effect and then find out after the fact that there was a wiser decision out there. Let's be willing to say, God, I need your help. And a lot of times in life, that's where it starts. We have to be willing to surrender to him and say, I can't do this on my own. The best question that I could ask you, God, is, God, what do you want from me? And and God's answer is, I want you. I want your life. I want you to, to surrender to me and allow me to be your Lord, to be your Savior, to be your God. And maybe today you're in a situation where you've never done that. You've never turned yourself over to him. You've always tried to do it on your own. And can I encourage you? Can I can I plead with you to turn it over to him, to allow him to be your Lord and Savior? to seek Him with your whole life. Maybe there's something going on in your life and you just want us to pray with you about it. Maybe you just want to talk to someone. 
that's what we're here for as a family, to walk this together. We would love to have the opportunity to maybe speak a little wisdom into your life. We don't have it all figured out. We're walking daily in God's Word, trying to seek Him and do what we can to the best of our ability with His wisdom, with His guidance, and with the counsel of others. And we're inviting you to join Him as we walk with Him. And let's do this together. Stand with me. We're going to sing this invitation song. If you want to talk to someone, if you want to turn your life over to Christ, you make your way over to the cross and we'll meet you there.